Hi, I'm Jackie Goddard, and this is Power to Speak, the podcast, where I talk to a mix of creatives, thought leaders, authors, in fact, anyone with an interesting and inspiring story to tell. How did they get here? What have they learned? And how can their journey help us mere mortals? In this episode, I talk to the optimistic musician, Ollie Mansfield, cellist and founder of Front Room Concerts. Enjoy. Uh, well, welcome to the podcast, to the Power to Speak podcast, Ollie Mansfield. And you like to describe yourself as the optimistic cellist or uh, optimistic musician. So uh, either's fine, uh, but the optimism, that's the key bit. <laughs> yeah, fabulous, fabulous. So um, I know in lockdown, Ollie, you have been, uh, well, you've kind of, that, that huge word of pivot, we've all pivoted somehow in lockdown. Uh, so tell us a little bit about what you've been up to in lockdown, because I think it's quite special, really. Yeah. So like with a lot of musicians, there was a, a March. It was over a couple of weeks that um, everything got cancelled. Um, and it was the first time that I ever had uh, a diary that was completely snow white. There was nothing in it. And, um, you know, it was really stressful. And um, and a bit panicky and very frightening, as it was for all of us. And so I kind of thought, well, there's, there's, there's always something in me that has to do something, do something productive to keep moving forward. So um, I knew that a lot of people in other areas, whether it's PT or coaching or anything, had used Facebook Live to do talks and demonstrations and things and I thought well you know what you can totally keep performing using Facebook live so I thought well look it's it's cheap I don't have to I I've already got the technology you don't have to pay anything to set up a Facebook group right I'm, I'm gonna set up a Facebook group I'm gonna and I'm just gonna see what happens and I called it front room concerts and um and what I did from then on was each Thursday, a musician performed each week and the group started at naught and it ended up at being just over two and a half thousand people in the group. Wow. And each week people donated to the performers and it was just my way of one, keeping my mind focused on doing something productive instead of going a bit, ah, but most importantly, it was showing my friends and colleagues that there is still a way to perform and share your music. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I, I, before this, I would have been a, I was a complete tech phobe and would not be interested in music technology and microphones or anything like that. But it's amazing when you're put in an environment where you, it's either sink or swim. Yeah. And you, well, for me, I just, I've got to swim and I've got to do it. So. Yeah. Uh, and I've learned a huge amount from that experience and and there's been uh, huge successes and then huge frustrations with it. And uh, the frustrations have led me on to a path of learning to, to where I am at the moment. Yeah. Oh, that's an amazing story. I mean, yes, we've all had to adapt and, and diversify and, you know, do all these sort of things. Because like you, I was working in venues and in spaces uh, teaching and running workshops and, and things like that. And so when, and schools as well, when, as soon as lockdown hit, my, that yeah. was it. 
work yeah. dried up for me completely. Um, but yeah, I just, I thought I, I can't sit still. Well, first of all, probably like you, I thought it was only going to last about three months and, you know, everything would be exactly as it was before. Little did we know. Um, but yeah, it's, it's finding something to occupy yourself. Like I was saying to you earlier, I met a, um, on, um, online a, an actress who runs a theatre company and they transferred every all their stuff online and are doing amazing work. And she was saying that, that actually it was more about the well-being of the actors and keeping them busy and keeping their morale up by continuing to perform. That was, you know, that, that was more important than anything else, really. Well, yeah, totally. and, and that's what I was experiencing with. I mean, at first when I, I, I came up with the idea and I approached some, from some friends and colleagues about performing, again, they had that feeling that, it's, oh, it's only going to be a couple of months. So I'll just hold out. It's only going to be a couple of months. And, and because I teach at a, a higher education institution as well, they were definitely planning in their process that this is definitely going to was lasting till the autumn, right. at least. Yeah. And so I could see in my mind, no, this, this is going to carry on for, for a lot longer. So I'm just so grateful to the people that initially did like join me on my crazy sort of path in doing some live streams and um but and the feedback I, I've had from all performers is actually just thank you because it's given them the focus to prepare and practice yeah. and just fulfill their purpose of wanting to be a musician and to share their musicianship with an audience yeah um so and then through the donations we gave a percentage to help musicians the charity because I just thought it's important that we you know we're all in this together that we help and support but yeah that well-being and that helping people to just keep going fulfill their purpose I think it's something I I feel really strongly about in helping yeah. others yeah yeah no I think that's 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 amazing and, and it, the other thing as well that I think has come out of this and the fact that we are now doing so much um, entertainment and you know all the, all the sort of the culture that we're used to going out for we are now doing on screen but it's kind of opened up the world in, in lots of ways for, for me and what I do I'm suddenly dealing with people in the states or you know Australia or wherever have you found that as well? Yeah so I have found so I mean like through front room concerts we had performers from Ireland and Turkey and Brazil and so it was um, an amazing way to, as you said, just start broadening those connections across across the world. Uh, and we had viewers in from all over the world as well, America, Iceland, um, I think India, it, you know, and it, that is incredibly special. From my own personal experience now is I... So when I lived in London, I loved going to the Old Vic Theatre and seeing productions there. And uh, I live in Hastings on the South Coast, and so, and I have two very small children, and so that's not feasible to do anymore. What's interesting is I had a, an email from the Old Vic saying, you know, you can book for productions, and some of them, they are live streaming as well as having it in person. Oh. And actually, I now have, I, I want to have that option as a consumer now. I want to, for all sorts of arts now, is I kind of expect to be able to also have the option to watch online. Yeah. Now we've had that experience. And I think, I think that's, 
going to be the case for what the data is saying through audience agencies is that's going to be quite a high percentage, 50, 60% of audiences are going to want that option. So I think it's incredibly exciting to help broaden and open up audiences, whether that's uh, in the UK or around the world. I, I think there's some exciting potential there. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think this is ever going to go away now. Now mm. that we've discovered it, I don't think yeah. it is. I mean, we, we know each other from a screen. We've never met in person, but we know each other through the You Are The Media Network, uh, which I used to go to live <laughs> ah. beforehand because I'm I'm local to where they're based in uh, Poole. We used to go to Southbourne down here on the coast, this, this yeah. side. Um, uh, but now I'm talking to people in the Zoom room with, from, from that network that are all over the country. Yeah. And so when they have their first in live again, beginning of July in Poole, um, there'll be, but it'll be a shame really, because there'll be some of that network that I've got to know quite well that won't be able to make it because it's not on their doorstep. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to be one of those people that are going to be online watching it yeah. online. Yeah. And, um, and it, I mean, this is going to be uh, the interesting part is hybrid events. Yes. And, and how that works and what that's going to be like. And it's, it's, I mean, I think if we all put the hat on that we're all experimenting here, and and if we share what works and what doesn't, then we've all got scope to learn and develop together and create something special. I mean, I being part of the You on the Media group because I stumbled upon it through. I think I read John Aspirian's book, right? And in the back of that, he put there's Mark's Masters uh, LinkedIn. Go and connect with him. So I connect with him and then found out about You on the Media and. And so I've learned a huge amount and was on the month of learning with you. And I think Mark has been incredible at just uh, just playing around with online and seeing what works or not. And yeah, I mean, there are so many people that I've met through that, that, yeah, I've never met in person. Yeah. But that sense of the you are the media community and that we all share things together, I think is really powerful. Yeah. And um and I think, I think, and this is where I think musicians and other people in, in creative can learn from people in different industries, mm. at how they're creating communities, how they're engaging, how they're bringing people together to feel like they're part of something and that yeah. it can be done online and offline. And I think there is going to be this magic thing where you, you will be able to bring them both together. Yeah. I'm not sure totally what that looks like because as I said, we're all in the throes of experimenting. Yeah, um, right. I think it's, it's definitely worth it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm before lockdown and before all this happened, I used to go to networking events because I had to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, you know, I, I used to hate that thing of, of introducing yourself or doing your 60 second pitch or whatever you had to do yeah. and then spending the rest of the time with the person next to you trying to sell you what it is that yeah. they do <laughs> and coming out going, oh, God, this just isn't me. I'm just this isn't me. But actually in lockdown, it's become so much more creative, you know, and that's mm. what I'm all about. I love, you know, just the problem-solving side of creativity, that kind of yeah. innovation that comes from having having issues and problems that need, need solving. Yeah. And so now I'm finding networking quite exciting because uh, I find breakout rooms really intimate. I find, yeah. you know, it's just, it's a whole other other world. And, it, and, and for me, it feels very creative. 
Yeah. Well, and I, I think also, I mean, for me, I, I, I've not done so many networking events locally. And I think because, again, for me, I, I do find the thought of it quite daunting, actually. Um, and again, it's an interesting thing with me about my own identity and business and musician and creativity yeah. and, and what that all means. Um, but what I think has been fascinating for me is through you and the media and a few other things I've gotten involved in is actually meeting people from different industries and, and, and see, you know, seeing how solicitors think about their communication or people in the wire industry or people that sell photocopiers or, and it has been fun being in breakout rooms and discussing because actually the, the, the common themes are actually all very similar in, in, in sort of communicating and messaging and, and, and wanting to, to bring people with you. Yes. Um, And, I think what I've really enjoyed is breaking out of my little musician's bubble, actually, and 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 just uh, having a, a a broader vision, actually, and yeah. seeing yeah. seeing what what people are doing. Yeah, that's true. Actually, I hadn't really sort of thought of that because you know, again, from an acting background, it, you do it is a kind of a little bubble. You don't really meet people that make valves. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, who you knew that there were people that made valves. <laughs> So, so, yeah, that's that's been a, a, an eye opener. So, I assume you will carry on then. With, I mean, you're not going to go back to a normality that doesn't now include uh, your Facebook group. Well, so I have passed the Facebook group on to uh, another musician who's started his own studio, just because I was finding, you know, I've got a, a little boy who's three. I've got a f- nearly five month girl. We are in the thralls of young children, and so my time is pretty limited. So I'm what I want to do is help more musicians with building their audience and setting things up so they can perform successfully online. So that's what I'm sort of diverting my attention to. Whilst also I'm still doing some cello teaching up in London, and I'm uh, freelancing as well and doing some freelance playing. So it's a it's a bit of a, a juggle. Um, but I love to have that mixture and I love to have that variety. So for me, it's having worked online and developing online and developing my own audience online is that sticking that, that, because I'm really enjoying it. I'm really enjoying learning about how you build an audience and develop it. I'm really enjoying the creating part. You know, doing a, a weekly email and a weekly blog post. I and I'm someone who loves learning. I love learning new skills, yeah. um, and I find it fascinating. And the same thing you said about problem solving. So through front room concerts, I uh, one of the issues with it was uh, someone could perform and earn a thousand pounds in donations, and someone can perform and earn nothing in donations. And I was just like, well, what is that about? Like, what's causing that? Yeah. Because it, it's either like, whoa, wow, this is even better, you know, for income-wise than performing in person. And for some people, it, it can be quite frustrating and quite demoralizing. 
So it's that that's led me through looking at sort of how you build your online audience. And it's amazing how a lot of it doesn't necessarily to do with talent or necessarily being the best musician, but the musicians that have done well pivoting online are the ones that already had a following already. And, right. and the ones that have struggled haven't had that following and that support beforehand. Yeah. So I, and it's something that isn't through my music college and conservatoire training was never, ever talked about ever. It was kind of, it was just, I, I don't know what it's like for acting and things like that, but it was just, you, you try, you honed your craft with this kind of naive expectation that there will always be an audience there to receive it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't have to try, just, yeah, just perform. Yeah, exactly, and, 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 and there'll be an audience there. And, um, and of course, if you're freelancing and someone's booking you, like for, for orchestral gigs and things like that, then it's whoever's booked you job to pull in the audience. So yeah. again, you never really have to think about it. But this performing online, is now you are responsible for having your own audience. So you've got to have a, 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 a you've got to know that there are going to de definitely be people there that are going to watch your performance. Yeah. Otherwise, it's yeah. going to be a bit disappointing. Yes. Well, that, that's interesting, actually, because I was going to say to you, what, what is the difference then between having a thousand in your audience or having none? And, and it is obviously exactly as you say. If, uh, if a musician comes to perform and they don't have any kind of community of their own, then it, it's very difficult to, to, you know, to get from that, that standing start. Yeah. You know. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I mean, like we, it can be easy to, again, through Facebook sponsored ads and things that you need thousands of people following you. Or I think I saw a book about how to get a million followers in 30 days. And it, it, I just, what I've come to at the moment is just finding the smallest number of people you need to build that audience to make it happen for you. Yeah. So for instance, if you uh, have expenses and you want to get paid and that adds up to 300 pounds, then, and you sell online tickets for 10 pounds, then you only need 30 people. And suddenly 30 people is much more doable and more intimate and you can build those relationships compared to thinking you've got to get thousands of followers. Um, and so that's where I am with it at the moment is it's about finding that more intimate connection with people. And, and look, we really, we all, oh, I really need it as well is to feel part of a community to feel like I belong somewhere. Yeah. Um, and I think everyone's craving to, to just communicate and feel connected and belong somewhere after this yeah the very long experience we're having yeah I mean I suppose but people are used to being in one place so they they work somewhere they you know they are part of a local community whereas we've all kind of been thrown out there into social media world and you know there are many many people myself included that it, I wasn't worried about followers why do I need followers you know yeah. I'd, I'd go and work at the school I'd go and work at the, at the venue um and as you say it was their job to get me an audience yeah, yeah. so yeah so now I, I am worried about followers and how do I build that community and as you say it's very important people want to feel part of something feel part of a, a community 
so I kind of threw you straight in there with the, as soon as we started, we were, we were off, right. What are you doing? <laughs> let, let, let's go back. Let's go yeah. back and find out how did you end up playing the cello? What, what, what was it in, in your childhood that, that got you to that? So I laugh because it is, um, it is not very deep or profound at all. So you hear, I hear stories of cellists that heard the Elgar cello concerto or some Bach and they were, they knew it was for them. Alas, for me, it was a woman came in and played the Pink Panther, <laughs> the Flintstones and Jaws. And that was me. That was me sold. I was like, I know the Flintstones. I know Pink Panther. Jaws sounds really cool. I want to play that. And, and that's what got me hooked and inspired. Um, just because they were cartoons I knew of and, and recognized the tune. And uh, as my parents uh, recollect, I wasn't very good at sport. That was my younger brother's thing. So they thought, and my family isn't musical at all, and they thought, well, let's give it a go and see what happens. And it, 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 it's my thing. It's what I do. And um, I've just been incredibly obsessed and passionate and love playing the cello ever since. So yeah. it's not deep, it's not profound, but it, it must have struck some sort of yeah. chord. Because you, you carried on. I mean, so many kids, I don't think I actually ever really played an instrument, actually. But I did ballet and, and yeah. tap and all those sort of things. It lasted, you know, six months, maybe. Yeah. What was it about the cello that, you, that made you carry on? So it, interesting. Yeah, because I think it was about 12 I started off with. I was in year three primary school, and I think it was about 12 of us. And you're right, they slowly drop off, drop off, drop off. And I think I'm, I was the only one left in my group after about three, four years. What was it? One, I am incredibly stubborn. So I think that is one part, is once I've decided I'm doing something, that's what I'm doing and nothing's gonna stop me. So I think part stubbornness, um, part, other part is like, it, it became part of who I was, my identity. I, I do like remember thinking, seeing friends and they'd either read a big, huge fat books, but I, I, that wasn't for me. And people were either really sporty and other people were really good at doing Lego and, and everyone seemed to have something they were really good at. And so I, I think for me, was I really good at the cello? No, not back then, but it was my thing that I did. And so I think that for me, that gave me my, my thing as a, as a kid. And then, especially when I was 12, I joined Brighton Youth Orchestra and got involved in more musical activities at secondary school. And then it became my social thing. And, and, and then I started listening to more classical music. And with my teenage hormones, I, 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 I these deep, romantic, Russian music really resonated and I knew from about 14 that's kind of what I wanted to do and that was my thing. Yeah so then that sent you off from school to to where? Where did you, where did you go from? So I so yes yeah, so I was in secondary school in Brighton and then I was really fortunate I had some, uh, some people coming to do chamber coaching from London and one of them was an amazing pianist called Louisa Breen, and she's now in Australia. And she 
said, well, I think I said to her, look, I want to be a professional cellist. And she said, you should play to this woman called Sue Lowe. And she does a, a cello course at Eton. And so I, she gave me the details and I told my mum and, and, and uh, bless my mum, she'd never driven on the motorway at all. <laughs> but we, 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 she was determined for me to have this experience. So she drove me up from Brighton to, this, this ch- to meet Sulo at, at Eton for her cello course. And we were there for a day. And it was, uh, it was like the blinds had been opened because suddenly... I was hearing these amazing cellists. I didn't realize the cello could be played so well. I didn't, I was hearing pieces I'd never heard before. I was hearing teaching in a way that I'd never experienced. And so each Easter I would go to that course and I ended up doing, um, uh, going to sixth form in a place called Lewis and that had a really good music course. And I studied with a fantastic cellist called Alison Moncrief Kelly. And she got me ready to audition for music college. And so I ended up going on to study at uh, Bowman Conservatoire. And I got a scholarship there. And that was all going great-ish. And then it got to my end of my four years of undergrad. And I realized that I still couldn't play the cello. Or I still couldn't play it professionally. Right. And... I thought, ah, I'm going to have to do something about this because this is something I want to do. And the level of my playing and what I was able to do, I just knew wasn't good enough. So I ended up phoning Sue Lowe up, who I met when I was 16 and saying, Sue, have you got any space to take me on because I'm in trouble here? And she did. And it was one of the best decisions I've made because... Uh, we started from scratch and she helped me just solve all sorts of physical technical issues but also creative communication issues and I can now play the cello and I can teach the cello and I love you know I feel confident going out and performing and and playing to people so that's kind of my up and down journey of Becoming That's amazing. So, so if you you got to the point where you thought I can't play professionally because you didn't feel good enough. Or yeah, yeah. Good. So, so I mean, you know, like I, the 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 final recital mark I got and everything was, you know, indicating, you know, it's a it was a two one. Everything was saying, you know, everything's in a good place. But I knew deep down that if I was going to play professionally or an audition, I wouldn't get a looking right. because I was aware that there were cellist far far better than me um and so there was that part but do you know what just deep down I knew that I I knew what I wanted to express in my playing and it wasn't coming through it was like there was a block yeah and 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 in fact I'd I'd say I uh, getting a bit emotional here um I'd say around 16, I had ideas of how I wanted to play and how I sounded. And it, it just wasn't coming out. And so with, with Sue, is, I mean, she's a phenomenal teacher. She loves, lives up in Yorkshire and, and she's really down to earth. Oh, I'm so caring, but also just very honest about how things are. 
And I studied with her, it was two years into studying with her. And um, I remember the day I, I played something and, and she said, now you're communicating, now you're saying something. Mm. And to hear that, that, I, that frustration was released and yeah. it was, I'd say a life-changing experience. And, and for someone who is deeply creative to finally hear someone else saying, yeah, I can hear what you're trying to communicate now. That's the most, it's giving me goosebumps. It's incredibly powerful, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's, it's, and it's taught me a lot about beliefs and my own beliefs and how they can help and, and limit. And, and I'm still going through a whole journey on through that as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it, it, it was a bumpy road to becoming a professional musician. Um, and I am just so grateful to Sue and her family, who are her two sons, uh, a cellist as well, and they have all helped me immensely. Yeah. And I am just so incredibly grateful yeah. for their help. We're not ending here, just taking a quick break to remind you that you are listening to Power to Speak, the podcast, with guest cellist Ollie Mansfield. And there will be more from Ollie, including a piece he recorded especially for us later in the show. But first, we hear from our friend and fellow podcaster, Stefano Capicchione, who reminds us how to make magic with words, create and connect with the Storytelling with Puck podcast. The story I'll, I'll read for you. The once with three little girls. This is a dream that I think really shows how we view transformation. Dreams, emotions. Empathy, connection, stories, storytelling with Puck. Find your next tantalizing tale on your favorite podcast platform or at puckcreations.com forward slash storytelling with Puck podcast. Thanks, Stefano. And now back to Ollie. So what would you recommend any sort of young people out there that, that are, you know, maybe still in primary school, you know, still haven't even, you know, got to got to that point where they're even thinking about playing professionally. But what would you what would you recommend that they do to sort of fulfill yeah. find that creativity in themselves? Yeah. So I, I this is a big topic as well, because we are uh, with my three year old, we're starting to look at uh, infant school. And we're realizing where we are that uh, there isn't as much creativity in, in primary schools as we would like. Um, and where I teach, I teach at a couple of private schools and there is a huge amount of creativity going on. And there is this huge gap between uh, the experiences children are having in, in, in the arts in primary school. So <laughs> what would I say is, is to, you've got to help your children have those experiences. And I think what we're, me and my wife are realizing is at the moment, we're going to have to provide those experiences for, for my little boy. Um, and so that, that means um, taking advantage of local authority music lessons you know, I, I started le learning with um, East Sussex Music Service and, and it is an amazing way to start. 
and yeah. then to get involved in groups and ensembles because it starts becoming social. Yeah. And there are actually, if you, you do have to go and explore them, but there are fantastic um, discounts and free tickets to music and events. And I think it's just to go and just try things out, give things a go. Yeah. Just even just if it's just for once and see if it's something you want to do or not. Yeah. Um, and and we're I'm really passionate for because I could be with my little boy, right? He's gonna do the cello because I do the cello and I can teach him and he's gonna do classical music, but you know, I, I'm not doing that. I have a little cello that's out. And he plays along with me sometimes, but I'm not pushing it. And we're, we're giving him some dance experience. And I want him to just go and experience as many different things early on. So then yeah. he can begin to find his way on, on what he wants to do creatively. Yeah. Um, so I, my advice is to, is to look what's happening in your local area and then go and take part and, and, and experience. And if you like it, continue with it. If not, yeah see what else there is yeah and do you think it's important to to see other people performing i mean you know to for, for me as an actor to go and see as a child to go and see anything i mean it was kind of where i grew up there wasn't much you know i was i was north north london so to yeah. go to the west end the, the local theaters weren't great at that point um so i didn't really see a lot of theater but yeah. you know i think now looking back on it it's really important to take young people to see any kind of performance yeah I think so and and I mean the role of online and you know YouTube is an amazing mm. thing and I, I I've got students that are saying yeah I YouTubed and I've watched the two cellos and they've done a Star Wars and it's great a Star Wars cello video and it's great and you know even just that is amazing to to start off with because then you can go off in all sorts of directions um with watching performers for me as, as a kid i remember we we did get some free tickets to see um julian lloyd webber at the brighton uh, with brighton uh, philharmonic orchestra but at the primary school age i honestly i did find it quite dull <laughs> and long <laughs> and tiresome what i found more inspiring was actually but with Brighton Youth Orchestra, I was in the, the lower level orchestra. What I found inspiring when I first joined was seeing the older orchestra. Yeah. And seeing, oh, okay, that's what I can do in a few years' time. Yeah. And um, so, I mean, yeah, get out and see different things. But also I think it's even more powerful if you can look at, if, you, if your children can look at other people they know or people a bit older and see what they're doing. Because I think then it's either it's closer to to see that it's possible. Yeah, yeah, yes, very exciting. Um, you know, I, I I don't get me started on creativity in schools. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> <laughs> so difficult, so difficult. Have you ever watched um, Ken Robinson? on his TED talk creative. Yes, yeah, and I've, I've read a number of books and you know what, it, actually it's his book on parenting in schools, I can't remember the exact title, but it did calm me when I first realized that by the end of this year, we've got to have made our choices for primary school. And you know, as someone who's passionate about education and music, and of course, every parent wants the best for their child, it can for me who's I you know I've worked in schools for over 10 years is um it can feel quite or for me it felt very like oh, this is a huge decision and actually I don't I don't know what the best decision is 
But actually, since reading his book and, um, and going through it, it's actually there is always choice. Yes. And if it doesn't work out somewhere else, then you can move to somewhere else. And actually, it's yes. not the be all and end all. Yes. And just just keep keep opening up opportunities. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's the other thing, isn't it? About um, for me, creativity in schools, and and why I'd like some some parts of these podcasts to be about talking about creativity, so that so that young people realise they don't have to decide now what they're going to be yeah. doing in thirty or forty years' time. It's organic. You could, you know, yeah. you can change your mind. Yeah. You know, it's not set in stone, and I think school is so rigid sometimes. Yes, and, you know, has to, they have to tick all those boxes before they can leave or get that exam or that certifi certification. Um, and actually, that's not what's important. What's important is is just being themselves and finding yeah. their own way. Well, and this is the thing. And I'm sort of this last year has been uh, fascinating for me. And I've been sort of out of my comfort zone is is going into sort of, uh, sort of digital marketing, content marketing side of things is um, to be learning through books, mm. through, uh, you know, groups like You Are The Media, through highly respected uh, individuals with their emails and not doing a higher education course yeah. or getting the certificate or um, is to go, do you know what? It is possible to learn. And also I'm learning so much from implementing and doing things myself. Yeah. Um, and I sort of, it's to prove to also to me that the more important thing is how you approach your own learning and how you approach developing skills and, and that you can still achieve without getting the certificate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think in my deep philosophy for life and what I want to share for my children is it's, it's, how you approach learning and creativity and creating something that's the that's the important part yes absolutely and um, so what was what was life like then for you as a musician before lockdown yeah so for me I was doing a lot of teaching um and uh doing a mixture of uh, chamber music and orchestral music uh freelance so, and then for me, I kind of always wanted to do more recitals and, and more solo stuff and kind of um, wanted to have more agency over what I wanted to do, actually, performing-wise. And so, actually, I found that through performing on, doing some Facebook Lives and performing on front of concerts, is actually, there is that ability to go, okay, I can choose what I'm going to play and yeah. I can set it up the way I want and also I think what opens up is through performing online is you can vary the format so I think a lot of us including me stuck to the traditional recital format where you sort of da -da, you're here you play you bow you finish yeah but actually online that's, that, that doesn't work 
And actually, the it's the engagement side that I think is really exciting from online performing. And, and whether it's Facebook Lives and seeing the comments and responding to them or on Zoom and you can see the people. I mean, at, when I, at the end of the month of learning to play the bark uh, to you guys, I, it was just amazing to, it still felt like a real performance actually. Um, because I could see you all and I still had the same nerves and it was amazing to, uh, to, to read and see the reactions after. And uh, so it's what I think what's changed before and after is, is actually what I see is the, the, the possibility to be a musician and have more control and more uh, choice about what you want to play and how you want to do it. And then alongside that is the importance of audience and building those relationships and that engagement so that you know that what you, what you create can have an impact. Yeah. So in a way you are, you get the opportunity to be your own boss. Yeah. So Yeah. And, and the type of performer you want to be. Yeah. Because I would imagine being part of a, a, an orchestra. When I see orchestras on, on the TV, I've been to a couple of orchestral concerts but not that very many but it you know there's so many people on the stage that it yeah. must feel like you're just like a little tiny cog in this huge wheel yes uh, and so you don't have much uh control over what's what's going on around. yeah yeah exactly and and you can feel that sometimes your voice just gets yeah sort of drowned out in in the the big the big sound and especially if you have that purpose, that drive inside of you, if, if that you've got something to say and you want people to hear it, then, then if you're only doing orchestral stuff, that can get pretty frustrating. Yeah. So, I, you know, I think now we're at a time where the musicians that, that have something deep they want to say and want to share with their music now you can and you don't have to get the approval of people that are uh, promoters or venues or trusts or or you don't need to get their approval to start doing that you can do it now online yeah yeah and you get to be on your own little square and perform the way you want to perform. You know, you yeah. can, as you say, you can engage, you can speak, you can, you know, you can do all those sort of things. So you're not, you're not under that kind of rigid control. Yeah. So is there anything else in, in during lockdown that you've done for yourself? I, I noticed that you, uh, you love uh, artisan bakeries and patisseries. Yeah. Indulged much in the last. Uh, so I have, I, you know, I, I, I did uh, a load of sourdough baking, as I think everyone did. But, I, you know, back in 2000, I think 17, I disappeared off to Scotland for a week and learned sort of it was a week long bakery course because I was kind of dabbling. I was like, do I want to maybe open a micro bakery, anything like that? Anyway, the course looked at the, the figures and I was like, no way. I love bread but, and baking, but uh, yeah, it, it just wouldn't work financially. But, um, but so whenever I visit a new area, so I was in Putney on Friday for rehearsal and I found a lovely little artisan bakery that did amazing uh what did i have a cinnamon huge cinnamon bun thing it was lovely um and so 
So, yeah, so I love baking and I love doing it with the kids. And again, I think it's the same with the cello is I love, you know, I love doing things with my hands and creating with my hands. And you can really feel the, the creation of yes. when you're baking bread and, and making it. And, but also that it's, you can just make something so magical from just flour, water and a bit of salt. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's just amazing. Yes, I haven't done sourdough. I've I've taken to sourdough over the last yeah. year. So I now buy, I don't buy other bread. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. eat sourdough bread. Um, but my daughter uh, has been a vegan for about two years and she's still at home. Um, and so we got into um, pizza dough. Ah, Because nice. obviously, as you say, it's literally yeah. flour, and, flour and water, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and that, as you say, it's just that kind of, that sort of creation that is yeah. just amazing. It is. And it, yeah, it's that sort of tactile feeling of it. And I think that's why, you know, it's a love playing the, the, the cello, playing the cello is it's this physical thing as well. Yeah. yeah. As well as everything that happens in the brain and the ears and the mind is just that is physical. And I, yeah, yeah I like that. So what do you think is, because obviously you have an interest in the brain and what goes on in our minds, but mm. what, what do you think it is, what is happening in our brain when we are being creative rather than, you know, watching the TV or doing something? Um, I, uh, what is happening? A lot of very cool stuff. Um, I think... It's just such a big... Uh, what do I think? I, I just threw that one in there. Yeah, just threw that one in. I, do you know what? I, honestly, I, I, I don't know what is happening. But what I find fascinating is more and more I sort of looked into things about the conscious and the subconscious or the unconscious mind is um, one is letting go of having to control everything and giving space for my mind to just conjure up stuff, whether it's writing content or uh, with the music is, is giving myself space for my mind to pop up with ideas or thoughts that I'm not trying to do. It yeah. kind of just happens. And I hadn't quite realized, realized recently until the last few months just the important of having that mental space to be able to do that and I, I I really believe that even when you're away from doing something your mind is still creating and developing and working something out so even like with writing my blogs and weekly email is is I'll plan it and then I'll come back to it the next day but in my mind I'm confident that my mind has created everything I need to do so when I can sit down yeah. it'll happen yeah. Um, and then interestingly, I was thinking about flow more the last couple of days. And, and what does that really mean to be in flow and especially creative flow? And I think for me, it's it's where the sort of self-talk is sort of silenced. Yeah. Um, and so I don't even know how to describe it, but things just seem to happen in a very calm, confident, 
yeah. knowing way. Yeah, it's funny you should say that because I did watch, because obviously we're at, um, I do improvisation online now. Ah, cool. Really bizarre. Yeah. Um, but obviously I used to do it in, in, in venues with people. Um, but I watched a TED Talk because I, again, in, in lockdown, I was a big fan before, but I've watched a lot since I've been in lockdown. And there's a Dr. Charles Lim did okay. an experiment on the brain between people that were improvising a piece of music and people that were playing a learned piece of music. Yeah. And he did the same with uh, rappers, people, you know, guys that were, that were rapping. So he put them into a brain um, MRI brain scanner and with the jazz musician he'd, he'd put a keyboard he might he made a keyboard to lay across this guy's lap right and got him to um learn a piece which he played and they looked at his brain and then they made him obviously got him to improvise a piece and and looked at his brain and it, it exactly as you said what he noticed it was a huge it wasn't a huge research project but just a, a small one but what yeah. they found was in the brains that were improvising it shut down their self-talk and yeah. so it and that's what that's maybe what the flow is then it's because we're not that inner critic is temporarily yeah. shut down so we're not kind of fighting with ourselves yeah because i i you know i've heard about this being in flow and i got i <laughs> You know, I used to get really angry and jealous with people that say they're in flow because I, I never thought how you could do that or how it was even possible. But in the last few years, getting to a state where you can do that um, and, and sort of experiencing it, and I think it's something that can be practised, is... Um, and also, interestingly, I, you know, I did a, a, a gig last Saturday and I had moments that flowed beautifully. And I had moments where I felt really uncomfortable. Yeah. And just sort of reflecting on it, those moments where it flowed beautifully was where my inner critic, my self-dialogue, my inner whatever it is, wasn't there. I was just doing it, just creating. Um, and when I was hesitant and nervous and unsure, it's when blah, 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 was going on. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and I think, I think that's a really, I, th I think that study sounds amazing, actually. Uh, yeah, I'd like, yeah. To, I'd like to, you know, because now, obviously, with what I do around improv improvising and the voice and acting coaching, I, ca I can say that now, that, you know, there is proof that improvisation is good. You yeah. Know, yeah, 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 yeah. It's really good for all of us. Uh, well, that, I mean, it's been brilliant talking to you. No, Tell us, you. just before we finish, about the newsletter and how people can get in contact with you. Yeah. So um, uh, I do a weekly email, which is the Digital Recitalist, which just looks for musicians at building your audience, um, performing online, um, and how that can all work best for you. So you can sign up. If you go to my website, ollymansell.com, and you can find the subscribe part of the, the website and you can just subscribe on there and then every Sunday it pops into your inbox and um, and it's uh, yeah it's just really lovely to share ideas and you know people I talk to share case studies give examples so you know if you're interested in that side of things sign up yeah brilliant brilliant and do you have a website yeah ollymansfield.com Fabulous. And so people can find out all about you there. Yes. And also, I think I've put, I think that's your Twitter. That's it. Yes. 
And then I'm on LinkedIn, so you can find me on LinkedIn as well and Facebook and yeah. So it would be Brilliant. lovely to connect and, and say hello to anyone. Yeah, absolutely. So what, what's next? What's, uh, what's coming up in the, in the coming weeks? What's coming up next? So we are going to, well, there's more of my own personal practice and my own creativity. There's uh, writing uh, for the weekly email and uh, just writing more of my own content and sharing what I have to say mm-hmm. and, and thoughts on that. So it's, it's doing my, just doing the work that I talk about, basically. That's what's coming up over the next yeah. few weeks. So yeah. you, can, you can have a look and see what's going on. Yeah. Any, any, are you in a room with, with music, other musicians or an audience anytime soon? Yeah. So on, I think in June is the next one of in-person stuff and then they uh, I'm gonna start just doing a few bits online as well so um you may see on on my Facebook or LinkedIn things come up so keep an eye out yeah absolutely and I might have to um see if you might loan me a little bit of music that I can um add into this podcast of course yeah that would be marvelous because the, the piece you played at the end of our uh month of learning at uh, you are the medium was was amazing lovely it's a great honor and uh, you know and it's that thing the power of music the power of the arts is to bring people together and have those shared experiences so it's just really lovely to give something back totally agree well thank you very very much for your time you're very welcome jackie amazing was that? Thanks Ollie. There were some defining moments in Ollie's journey to becoming the optimistic musician, like what got him hooked and inspired and finding his thing. So I've got some questions for you and I'd love to hear your answers. Tell me in relation to your own journey what got you hooked and inspired? What was your thing, your identity? What was the moment when the blinds opened for you? Who was your Sue Lowe, your mentor? And how do you communicate creatively? Connect with me on LinkedIn or contact me through the website powertospeak.co.uk and let me know. Life is full of inspiring stories, just like Ollie's. So if we've put you in the mood for some more, then don't forget to check out some tantalising tales and magical moments from Storytelling with Puck. Find them where you find your podcasts or at puckcreations.com forward slash storytelling with Puck podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, then please leave a five star review on whichever platform you're on. And if you'd like to receive information about future guests or would like to know more about Power to Speak coaching, then sign up for our fortnightly newsletter at powertospeak.co.uk. Bye for now.